Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 197th edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here back in the new year. It is 2019, and we are talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. I believe we have done one already here. In I think so, yeah. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we're back. Uh, the voice you hear is, of course, uh, the person who, with whom I am always, wait, by whom I'm always joined. Uh, old, uh, old, reliable. old reliable, yeah, Mr. Wait, Andrew Stoughton. Yeah. Mr. Stoughton, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, yeah, as always. Yeah. Well, not as, I mean, last, <laughs> last week, uh, I would have sounded like, you know, death croaking in people's ears. So, uh, happy that I sound my normal, terrible, uh, weird voiced self. Weird voiced? How does that work? Yeah, I don't know. You ever hear that thing? Who has it's, a weird voice? Yeah. yeah, I guess it's a voice. Whatever. Uh, I'm, voice. All, I'm all right. Uh, good. I'm glad you're well. Better. <laughs> uh, you were you were quite under the weather last week, uh, but we're back. And there's actually a couple things to sort of talk about. One thing to talk about, even though it's not like it's not the most content rich topic. Uh, it's very matter of fact. Something that seemed as though it was inevitable. Yeah. But uh, but it happened. That of course is Russell Martin was traded by the Toronto Blue Jays. Two. I think the two was a bit of a surprise to me that he got traded to the Dodgers. Yeah, I think a little um, bit, sure. I hadn't put too much thought into where he might end up. I, I was Part of me was convinced he was going to be the Red Sox because they have a bit of a, a need behind the plate. But uh, but no, it's the Dodgers. The Blue Jays are paying, I believe, what is it, $16.4 million of his remaining salary? That, that um, sounds right, yeah. And that, Yeah, the Dodgers are paying, I believe, three point six. Which is a nice piece of business for the... It's good to see the Dodgers catch a financial break. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, except at the going rate. I, that's probably all Russell Martin's going to be worth. No? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was, in a lot of ways, not good last year. Um, he didn't uh, hit for any power whatsoever. He got on base. And he took his walks. And he, he still catches a wonderful game. Um, but it's... Uh, the the wonderful, did not make the wonderful him, game of baseball. Hmm? I think you mean, yeah. Well, he does. He did. He he <laughs> caught quite a few games of baseball when he was sitting on the bench in <laughs> September, doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's so among the intellectually dishonest crowds, there's going to be you know hue and cry that that the Blue Jays are paying the mighty Dodgers to take Russell Martin. They're paying for him to play for them. But of course, that's not. That's a very simplistic and stupid way to think about this. By paying that salary down, the Blue Jays ensured what is a better or the best return they could have hoped for, presumably, which is to say, not um, not a huge return coming back for Russell Martin. True. True. So what is it? What is it? Is it a high A bat and a low A arm? Is that correct? Um... Do you recall offhand? I, fuck! I was just happy that I was going to have their names. It's uh, it's Andrew Andrew Sopko and Ronnie Brito. Brito is the bat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he is. Yeah, I think Sopko was at uh, was at Double A last year, and Brito is the mm-hmm. uh, the lower level guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Brito signed the same class as uh, as Vlad Junior. So, uh, so yeah, he's probably at in the low minors because Vlad is a fucking insane baseball freak uh who's going mm-hmm. to destroy the league when he's 20 um but yeah i you know they're they're like 
they're fringe prospects, but they're prospects more than warm bodies. There's some, you know, I think if you listen to Ross Atkins talk about them, uh, obviously he's going to put a certain shine on it. Um, like, I think Sopko's just a depth guy. Like, I, I, I think I saw Eric Longenhagen of uh, Fangraphs talking about how he's, you know, maybe a seventh starter and therefore a guy who is valuable, uh, who maybe, you know, something goes right, figures something out, can have a little bit more in there, become a, a four or a five someday maybe, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mostly just someone who uh, has a, da- a chance to not get his fucking ass handed to him every single time out there if he's, you know, pressed into action as a spot starter uh, because, like, mm-hmm. ten better pitchers got hurt. Uh, <laughs> that's the upside, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be too dismissive of him, but honestly... I mean, these are just such, uh, the the payoff for these kind of prospects is just so little that I really can't be arsed to fucking think too much of it. I did a chat today for The Athletic here on Thursday, and, and you know, someone was asking me about the, the Rule 5 guys that got away, and it's just like, I really, I'm not sure I can remember who they even were at this point. Um, you know, we're talking about Jordan that. Romano? Yeah. That's Come on. Uh, yeah. The that's Canadian, the one that I know. I know. I've become that guy. Just, I, I, it's probably very clear to everyone listening. I am the last to realize that I'm that guy. I'm that that meme where someone, uh, an American person, will say hello, and then the Canadian is like, "Did you know Sandra O oh is from uh, <laughs> is, is from Orleans, just outside of Ottawa?" Like, just un, un, unprompted. That's who I've become now, um, and that's how I know who Jordan Romano is. Okay. Like, shit. Well, anyway, uh, but then, anyway, that's that's about the anyway. level of excitement I think we should have for Brito and, and Sopko. Uh, the bigger thing is obviously this clears room, which is why it was inevitable for uh, Danny Jansen to play a whole bunch, which uh, is a fun thought. It, it is a fun thought. Uh, the one thing about I'd say Brito maybe isn't nothing. I don't know. I, I don't think I, anyway. I'm scouting scouting to the scout to the stat line here, <laughs> but I mean he was playing in the in the Pioneer League, so like the league that. Vancouver, the short season the ball there in in uh, in the northwest, and he was an above average hitter. He plays at the middle. Eh, you could do worse in I, terms uh, of a potential flyer. The upside, maybe I don't know, but yeah, I have, it's probably nothing. I have uh, Longenhagen's tweets here, which I thought were, you know, compared to to the eye rolling and the like, you know, the not regarding that people like say we are doing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of made me think. Okay, you know, there's a little something there. He says Brito, uh, a maxed out 19 year old with above average raw power. Uh, actions at second have regressed as he's thickened. Uh, bat to mm. ball, bat to ball has been tough to evaluate because his, tw- uh, his swing has changed several times over the last two or three years. Uh, but definitely a high risk contact profile on approach alone. Um, but he does have some. He's got some power. And he <laughs> maybe can get himself back to being able to play at second base, but that's not super exciting. And then Sobko, uh, this is I think where I was cribbing this from, says uh, he has a I have as a pitch ability, sixth seventh starter, eighty eight to ninety two slurvy slurvy breaker with average depth, change also average. Good teams need guys like this during the course of a season, but several forty fives and fifties probably don't stick in a rota- rotation long term. So, I don't know why I thought that. Well, there was, you go. I don't know that, why I thought that was you know better than the groans initially because that's not that's those are like guys every organization should have a ton of. But uh, 
you can never have <laughs> At too least many. That's, you can never have too many. That's like an informed groan. <laughs> right. That, that is an, 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 a groan born of knowledge, not born of apathy, which uh, is kind of our uh, whole stock and trade really is. around here. Um, but you no, you made a good point. And, and the, the going rate on a roster spot, judging by the moves the Blue Jays have made this season, is significant. The Blue Jays have paid a lot of money to make things easier for the front office to evaluate talent. And, and I really think made it much easier for the manager to not have to navigate difficult situations not to not have to waltz in to a new to a team and be like oh hey guys who were here in the glory days guy who is canadian and is a hard working and beloved and is always healthy well you're not maybe not always always healthy compared to the other guy but like guess what you're benched or (laughs) guess what you're cut at the end of spring training we're gonna pay you to go away then um the blue jays i think if you're giving them credit for anything you can give them credit for maybe doing right by Russell Martin and Troy Tulowitzki, whose uh, situations painted them into a some, some somewhat of a corner, and they did right by them. These guys have got uh, opportunities to go out and earn jobs, earn playing time, and continue to thrive and, and be um, or re thrive and be contributors at the big league level until the rest of the league decides that they can't, which will be next year. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean uh, the the roster the roster spot's huge. Um, it, it also, you know, you said Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen's going to get to play a lot. They're they're probably it's going to be positioned as a full out battle. I feel as though oh, sure, yeah. we're, we're we're going to be told that Danny Jansen and uh, Reese McGuire and Reese McGuire, yeah, yeah, and uh, Luke and Luke yeah. Maley are going to be battling toe to toe. There, it's going to be friendly, but they know they're out there fighting for playing time. They're not. It's Danny Jansen's job. Like there, there should not be any dispute about that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think his the, play in September warranted it. I think his play in uh, <laughs> all of last year warranted it and the year before. I mean, I think there was a piece at Beyond the Box score today that was kind of, uh, you know, didn't got, dive too deep into it, but was kind of like, you know, to a, a broader audience, like, hey, guess what? Danny Jansen's going to be one of the best catchers in baseball next year. Like, he projects to two wins. There's like no catchers who provide any offense or, you know, three of them, right? So... Uh, mm-hmm. He sort of instantly has the profile of like you know one of the better catchers you can find, which is uh, which is which is again it's a nice building block for the team, um, and also uh, <laughs> I think talking about the you know yeah it is kind of a phony battle. I think you're absolutely right about that, uh, but that, that also does fold into the you know the getting rid of Tulo and clearing the headaches for Montoya, where he kind of can go in and be like, all right, you know you're. Yeah, and nobody's the only reason anyone he's playing anywhere is on merit, and I know that's sort of supposed to be the way that it is all the time, but obviously, uh, mm-hmm. obviously that's not the case. And even with Martin, maybe he could have played better than than Jansen, but they really, you know, want to see what these guys mm-hmm. could do. McGuire too, I think. I think they really like him, and and he might be a, mm-hmm. a legitimate backup too. I think that, and it's not to Danny Jansen. It speaks to the value of a player like Danny Jansen, who's kind of a you know, was off the radar and, and has turned himself into a much better player and a guy with a bright future now. But it also says so much about just how fucking bad that position is right now. <laughs> yeah. Where they, beyond the box score, which is, you know, a great place for young, analytically minded writers to kind of get their start or to, to move from writing for a team site to kind of move to a bit, bit of a bigger audience. 
they can credibly write that, that Danny Jansen could be one of the better catchers in baseball because it's true, even though it's really, really not. Like, it's <laughs> it's so it's crazy that it's true. It's yeah. the, it's basically like the J, the JT Real Muto thing where, yeah, JT Real Muto is, like, probably the best catcher in baseball, but he's not good enough to be the best anything in anywhere. <laughs> like, it's the wor- yeah. the worst kind of battle of attrition, yeah. and it's just a real bummer because, you know, even... You look at I look at the way that Buster Posey has aged, and and he like Russell Martin is still an incredible defensive catcher. He still gets on base like crazy. He hits for a high average because of where he plays help contributes to that a little bit. But he has no power left because that job is so physically debilitating <laughs> that that that's kind of what's left at the end. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like those Russell, I there's a part of me that I can't help but wonder, and we've seen it already with. Uh, in the in the free agent market with um what's his name with Grandal yeah that, like those right. those guys are like the last rich catchers is kind of how I feel well I mean Grandal because, <laughs> Grandal isn't quite as rich as Russell Martin that's for sure no not not even Grandal Grandal was saying like he looked at the deals these other guys got and he's like I'll I want that it's like my man you are not gonna get that no one's gonna get an eight year deal like like Posey got which was you know pre arbitration and the five years that that um. That Martin got, or even the three-year extension that Yadi Molina got, like that is—it's tough to tough to see, given the state of the fractured economics of baseball right now. That I don't think we need to get too much into. We spent too much time talking about that on the show, anyway. It's, yeah. But like, but like the Jays are in a good position because they have a player who is viable behind the plate, and and looks like he's going to be able to to hit enough. Yeah, and he and he's you know he's twenty three. So by the time he's a free agent, he's, you know, we're t- I mean, we're talking about this a bit early, obviously, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 29, 30, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it ends up being. And then at that point, yeah, <laughs> probably not going to be a lot of money out there for him for the, you know, like you say, the, the last of the rich catchers. I mean, can you even, yeah, uh, it is, it's not even, not only is it just physically demanding that is wearing these guys down, it's like also the teams are just being to the nth degree careful about, you know, anybody who has the potential to, to like contribute offensively at all, uh, mm-hmm. we'll find you another position. Like if you can make the grade at first base, you're not going to be behind the plate because that is going to just ruin you. And it's sort of it just, there's a lot conspiring against there being a, a cohort of incredible catchers, um, which is odd because we, you know, there, it wasn't that long ago that there, uh, there were a bunch of pretty good ones. It's true, and and I I think the velocity in the game is the sort of the yeah, yeah the pat line that I keep going back to. But I just think if you go back a few years ago, like what was his name, Ryan Domit, right? Who was a a decent offensive catcher, he could hit, but he was a terrible behind the plate. But I feel like the older the style of thinking was like, well, we're getting we're it's like stealing money if we have a catcher who can hit. But right. now you realize that when he's so poor, when they're so poor defensively, they're subtracting so much more than they could ever add with the bat, unless they're like Mike Piazza, who uh, history has 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for has vindicated Mike Piazza actually the, when, with all that that old mixed model pitch um, framing stuff that Baseball Prospectus came out with a few years ago. It actually uh, shined uh, a nice light on Mike Piazza as a, as a receiver. As a game caller, uh, not history's not been kind to his ownership of uh, of Italian soccer teams, though. Uh, uh, that so you're speaking was that that was on the in the Athletic, I right? That was, that story yeah. ran. Yeah. So uh, if if you're not familiar, there's a story about Mike Piazza who 
um, you know, as an Italian American man who had never actually been to Italy until he sort of bought, as a retired ball player with lots of money, he bought a Serie B team, <laughs> yeah. uh, Reg- Reggiano, I think, then is the is the team, and so. he was going to be the owner, and he was going to be. He thought this was going to be great, and then he they ran the team into the ground, and it was just not well organized, and it is also. The quintessential ugly American story <laughs> of he and his, his yeah. wife just going into this field, thinking they were going to waltz in and just fix everything, and you know go up to Syria and then next you know be playing the Champions League. And uh, oh no, now the team is gone, like dissolved. This this classic <laughs> team that with a hundred years of history in uh, wherever in Italy, I don't remember the region, but uh, it's a great story if you are an <laughs> athletic uh, subscriber. It's as you um, should be. <laughs> as you should be old men weeping and piazza and his wife just being like yeah i don't know it didn't really work out let's talk about something else i'm, I'm going to a barbecue now you want to do you want to talk about wings i don't i don't remember what they, did. <laughs> they i like to think about 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 this the, this this thing that like, these these people who they had no connection to just had a deeply held passion for this club uh, as is the, the case all over the damn place and yeah just <laughs> just pretty nonchalant about uh, you know, having to be uh, escorted out under police like police presence in the middle of the night to just get away from from there after having dissolved the team, <laughs> following there running it into the ground. I like to think about the language barrier a little a little bit, and all the times that Mike Piazza and his uh, partner re- referred to the team as like the franchise. And then the, tra- the the interpreter like wincing and then saying club, like having to fix it for them so that they didn't get pelted <laughs> yeah. with tomatoes. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. I mean, that's uh, like, the Blue Jays that's signed like a, another player. Sorry, hmm? I was just going like, to it, but I, I didn't move on. I haven't moved on. I can't move on. <laughs> no, I just, I want to see this movie. I want to see this movie made in like, the, you know, in like 1989. Mike Piazza, the, the ugly American. I think, I think. I think we could do a nice job with that. Someone should option that um, story. <laughs> related, there's a George Clooney uh, film called The American that's shot in Italy, uh, in and around, I believe. He has a home on Lake, uh, Lake Cuomo there in Italy. Uh, it's a wonderful film. Quiet. He's an assassin. Hmm. It's an assassin and a hooker with a golden heart story, all set in the Italian hills. It's lovely. I, I, en- I quite enjoyed it, if you like uh, any of those things. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, you could, George Clooney was like, it's pretty much like a two hour long flex also like that. Uh, he, he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Okay. Uh, Dave Phelps is a blue Jay. He was, he's a reliever who used to play for the Marlins. Is that correct? And now plays for the blue Jays. He did. Yeah. You need relievers. Everybody does. Yeah. Well, you... He's kind of unremarkable, right? He's. Uh, you know, I think he had, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the strikeout numbers are pretty good, actually, on him. When he was healthy, he's coming off Tommy John, so, I mean, that's not, no risk, uh, but, you know, not mm. the worry that it once was, but uh, if I recall correctly, you know, like, like a, more than a strikeout in inning, and, you know, like 11 per nine, and maybe too many walks, but a guy who was an effective reliever for a while, and is, of course, going to get everybody being like, oh, here, yes, start the parade, plan the parade here. Because, uh, you know, because everybody's, 
anyone with the ability to think the ne most negative thing possible, that's, uh, they should say that because it's very creative and witty. Uh, long time it's Yankee, important. of course, also. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he strikes me a little bit like, uh, maybe a little bit like John Axford, like with big, you know, the strikeout numbers are good. The strikeout uh, rate in terms of on a per nine basis is good, but he does walk uh, like an awful lot of guys. Which kind of gives him the opportunity to then strike out more guys. That's yeah. Is what all, I, all I'm saying. That maybe his <laughs> strikeout numbers are a little juiced. There's a little bit of that for sure. Yeah. But it's, I it's do. A, I do remember. You know, I don't know why I wouldn't, but yeah, I do remember David Phelps. You know, made a lot of starts for the Yankees in 2013, 2014, 15. In the bad old days. The they bad old days well, of the Yankees. Well, they were all right for other teams. It turns out. Well, at least one of those years. Well, at least two months of one of those three years was. Uh, but, I mean, you need guys like this. This is not unlike what they did last year, uh, 2018, when they brought in Clippard and Axford and O and, and guys like this, guys who with uh, – if you put everything together, there's value in relievers at the, at the trade deadline. There's value in having somebody who knows what the hell they're doing back there. Like it's – it's not a it's not a bad idea to have a decent bullpen. At least there's nothing. I feel like there's nothing more soul destroying for fans, especially if they're, if they're paying to watch your terrible team. They're paying to watch your piss poor rebuilding team, and then of all things, the bullpen blows it. Yeah, that's a lot of wasted time. That's just you know, you just, yeah. you just want the game to be over at some point. It's like I just want to go to the game. It'd be nice if they could get a win. If I'm paying my money to watch this dog shit team, I'm I'm. Watching God only knows. I can't even think of already. I've blocked my from my mind the names of some of these the guys that have been suiting up for the Blue Jays of late. But remember yeah, BJ, Mel, Melvin Upton. Melvin Upton, who has gone back to being uh, BJ Upton. Remember Melvin Upton played for the fucking Blue Jays. I do. I do. I remember because I've defended him until the last possible moment when it was like, okay, yeah, no, this this is not working out here. Uh, whereas other people. Uh, in the fun days of uh, of like the early Shatkins hate, uh, where everything they possibly did, even though the team went to the fucking playoffs, was was a disaster according to like half the fucking fans. Uh, there were some contentious uh, discussions of uh, of Bossman Junior. He played for the Blue Jays in the playoffs, sure did, and hit a home run. Uh, <laughs> reminds me, you know what? I this remind this is how stupid this is. We didn't talk enough about Russell Martin on the uh, already in this episode. That's <laughs> we fair. just like glossed over it. But like, yeah, well, here I am. I made an entire video about it and put it on YouTube. I was like waxing poetic on on Twitter, like none of this happens without Russ. And then it comes time to do the podcast. We're like, yeah, he's fucking dead weight anyway. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about this high A kid they got. <laughs> well, but yeah. You're, you're not wrong, but it, it's obvious. It, it's it's just so obvious. But it's I, I noticed from like the the reaction on social media and stuff that there were you know people, let's call them non ghouls, uh, <laughs> were like genuinely like affected by by Martin moving on and being like, oh, you know, such great memories. He was you know this guy who was such a, so so central to these teams that were great and that helped me fall deeper in love with this team and this sport. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't know. And to me, to me, to excuse my own behavior at the start of the podcast, it's just it's been like I'm just like 
get like get these pages turned like let's turn them we got it's time it's time to do something else now i don't i'm sick of being you know sort of stuck because we've been looking to 2020 for like three four years it feels like you know even though like the rebuild is only quote unquote rebuild is only you know they've only been allowed to say it for the last like six months you know it's been going on for a while and so the you know the, this day this day was coming and i was sort of happy to get it over with but i understand yeah there's probably non-ghouls uh who had a yeah who maybe took a little more time to reflect on what you know what martin meant and means and was for the team which is uh, i i i was uh i tweeted like before the trade happened somebody was talking about like the top Philadelphia free agent signings, you know, across all sports of all time. And I was, mm-hmm. and so I tweeted something about what the Toronto list would look like. Uh, and I believe the addition, you know, my next sentence was, I think Russell Martin has to be on there. You're uh, right. He was very important. It's a, it was a hell of a signing. Like, I mean, I saw you waxing poetic. I know you agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there's one guy in particular and, and I, and while we don't agree, um, he and he's persistent, but he's not a he's not complete like he's wrong, but he's not a he's not belligerently wrong about it. He th- I, I've seen this guy uh, in men, in other other people's mentions, and he and I have talked about it many times on Twitter that he's just like it was a bad signing from the beginning. It was an overpay. They shouldn't give him five years. Blah 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 blah. Um, and he, again, he he's there's one particular guy who's who's vocal about it. Uh, I feel like most of the real the real um, negative types are not thinking that they will, they remember him. Well, they will remember him finally because he's Canadian, right? He gets, he, it, it greases the wheels for sure um, to make the, the, the signing um, better. But I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like the fact that they went and spent money on this player who did the things that he did and is Canadian, it, it mattered. It counts. It was like a huge added bonus. It's a value add. All those games in Montreal where his dad's playing the fucking saxophone before the game and Amazing. shit. Yeah. Like it was awesome. It was so <laughs> cool. And and having him be a Blue Jay and like be enthusiastic about being a Blue Jay. But at the same time, you know, he made his little, you know, he, he put a statement on, on Twitter and stuff. He's still a professional, a guy who's been around the game for like, like fucking 15 years or whatever, however long it is. You know, he's going to move on and excited to go back to do the Dodgers and that got as much time for him. And I feel like it's, it's, it was a, a healthy perspective. It seems like a healthy perspective from, from his, his side. Like he's, you don't, I'm sure there'll be some stories that'll come out that will show him of being like, it was awesome to be a Blue Jay and now it's awesome to be a Dodger. Like I'm here to do my job. But, uh, but I think for the fans, it really, it really added something. And the fact that he was really good especially in 2015 and then you know still strong in 2016 and 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 uh, such a key member of that 2016 team that just didn't allow runs at all yeah. um was uh was was great and and for me that absolutely this the signing was the beginning of like this is real like I can't believe this happened that they signed they they signed a free agent they spent 80 million dollars <laughs> yeah. on a guy and it's the guy who is plays a position that nobody good plays and he's Canadian and it was just awesome. Um, and, and all the stuff about culture reset and all the things that they, they said they wanted to do, they did it. And, and none of it would have, would have been possible without him. And, and that to me is the biggest, it's the same, it, even it's, it's similar to the Dickey thing. If I, if we're going to make that justification for the Dickey trade uh, is that no one was going to pitch those innings. Like who was going to catch for that team? 
who was going to catch for the 2015 Blue Jays? Well, I believe Deonor Navarro was going to, as I recall. That wasn't going to end so well. <laughs> Not really, no. God bless Deonor Navarro, but I mean, come on. Yeah, that police, well, none of that, that, that happen. He wasn't going to be like a four-win guy. Yeah, no. Hmm? <laughs> I said the policeman's hat and cigar. It's, it's Love Deonor Navarro. But yeah, no, it uh, it was a huge, a great backup obvious, obvious upgrade. And in a way, you know, we, you, you say war, and like that's, I mean, that's the best metric we have for it. But there are, uh, you know, baseball reference or uh, baseball prospectus prospectus tries to encapsulate more of the, you know, catching stuff into it. But there, I think, are, you know, immeasurable ways that a guy like Martin, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, made a huge difference for that team. And it, it, so many of those factors, I think, you know, Russell Martin didn't stop being a good receiver. Guys do that. That skill uh, recedes as with age. And, and Jonathan Lucroy is an example of a guy who's who's who is not as strong as he once was um, in terms of his receiving and, and doesn't grade out as well in terms of the stats as not only has he probably gotten a little bit worse, but everybody's gotten better. So he doesn't, he had had that bit of a head start, um, but you could see it in 2017 and then to a lesser extent in 2018, like Russell Martin himself can't make pitchers good. Yeah. You know, no catcher can <laughs> mat like, and that's the whole thing with Yadi Molina that I somehow, you know, he, he's a guy who gets too much credit for that. He's a very good defensive catcher. He really controls the running game as long as it's not Billy Hamilton. He really does all that stuff really well. But like you can't spin yarn into gold when you're behind the play. The pitchers have to be good. You could do your best to present them. You could work the umpires. You can work with the pitchers. But if they're throwing bullshit and they're missing their spots, they're going to get fucking hit. It doesn't matter who's back there. But with a good team, with a good young staff, he was really the right guy in the right place and and Absolutely, he's on that list of best free agent signings. Who else is on that list, though? John Tavares. Yeah, guarantee he'd be that's... he'd be one or two if that was coming out of some of the local media outlets. <laughs> what? It's a it's a pretty good signing. I mean, it's fucking January. Uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, but it'd be, I, I think it'd be folly to overlook it, despite how, how I don't know Cujo, Roger Clemens, uh, Dana Winfield. Win, yeah, Winfield, I think, was a huge one. I had somebody was debating Molitor. about Molitor or Winfield. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think Winfield for sure, uh, just because it was the first one and because uh, because they didn't, they didn't get stuck with him. They they you know they, they were able to get Molitor the next year because Winfield was gone. Um, Bill Cottle. Bill sure. Cottle was like the first big name free agent that like the big free agent they ever signed. They signed him for like a million bucks in 1985. I don't think he was particularly good. But. That was he was a Boris client. That was like what a Boris's. Oh, first that's where client. all that that's started. All that yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Cujo. Uh, the Raptors uh, sadly have never <laughs> never signed anyone good. Apparently, Giovinco for sure. I think that counts for sure. Yeah, I think I looked yeah. at it at the time. I think Altador was a trade, but do uh, recall they just straight up signed him? So I'm going to count. That. No, but uh, I'm trying to think of like good Raptors free agent signings. There's like yeah, fucking Jose Calderon. <laughs> it's pretty yeah okay. Calderon, uh, <laughs> Jorge Garbajosa, like the Raptor legend. Loved uh, anyway, did, yeah, did David Phelps. So number one, Russell Russell Martin. So. It was great that he was a Blue Jay, and I'm kind of glad that he, that he went out this way. Um, he he didn't play except didn't play very well in 2018, but I don't think anybody's going to remember that. 
he's going to have he's his time with the Blue Jays will live long. People oh, yeah. will always remember that Russell Martin was a Blue Jay. They'll always remember that he was there and and integral to those teams that were that were very good and that made the playoffs. And uh, and they won't remember that he didn't play very well at the end of his contract. They won't remember that they paid the Dodgers to take him. Um, whether or not they will, they'll probably remember that he was the manager on the last day of the year, and they'll remember that he played all <laughs> over the diamond, probably. Yeah. yeah, and that's great, and that's the way it should be, and he deserves that. And uh, and 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 I think I don't. I'd be surprised if there were any fans, real fans. Well, oh, sorry, I'd be surprised if many fans felt otherwise. Yeah. Um, I don't know, David Phelps. Oh, in, that, <laughs> interesting contract. That that was one thing I think about it. That, so you, you and I were talking about this a little bit off the air. And so I had a line, and now I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you said, yeah, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to save that. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I got it now. So so baseball, as most people listening to this probably know, but baseball contracts, have they have lots of performance bonuses that are built into them, but they are there is very specific things that they are allowed to incentivize. You can't give a you can't say saves for a pitcher. They can't have saves or wins or bit batters uh, can't be incentivized to for by home runs. It's all very much like a, I think I assume it's part of the CBA, but it's appearances and plate appearances and and games and games finished is sort of like the code that is yeah. used for. For, for starters, and innings pitched is another one for, for pitchers that, that we see. But so David Phelps, who's coming off an injury, has assigned a one-year deal plus an option with the Blue Jays. And the option, uh, you you kind of went through. Can you describe it a little bit for for me? Well, I can just read it straight off Cots, which is, uh, yeah, the option's a million dollars, but it increases to three million if he pitches 30 to 39 times. Uh, this is the 2020 option. Yeah, well, a club option. Okay. So it's almost irrelevant right. anyway because, you know, but, uh, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll just sort of set. It'll give him a, a base uh, where, you know, where the Jays can then make their decision on whether to pick up the option or not. Because, uh, yeah, it might, I mean, it might still be a good deal if he gets hurt again and they think that, okay, we got a million bucks and we didn't have to kick in anymore because he didn't finish that many games. Or pitch that many. But anyway, so it's, uh, you know, it's three million if he gets into 30 to 39 games. It moves up to five million at 40 to 49 uh, seven million uh, fifty or more games, or eight million for fifty games or more, and forty games finished. Which is to say, which is code for saves. Basically. So if and if David are, Phelps yeah. pitches himself into being the closer and has a good year, he suddenly has an eight million dollar option. Which is to say that he'll pitch so well that he would pitch himself right out of a job. <laughs> right. But my, but still would probably um, you know, if he pitches that well, he's probably you know that maybe that's what his yeah. market looks like anyway. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's it's creative. That's for sure. It certainly uh, sets the it, it sets them up well for you know for having to make that call next year when it comes, or you know more likely whichever team he's pitching for at the end of the year uh, will get to make that call. <laughs> yeah. So this is. This is an example of the of the, those deals, like we said before. They, all these other guys that they signed. Now, my thing was, look at the way that contract is structured, and then ask yourself: next, before next time we blurt it out, why do pitchers, why do players play hurt? And then you look at the way the contract is structured, which is so obviously like, pitch until your arm falls off, and you'll make more money. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
And it, it's on top of the already cultural expectation within the game. But maybe it's an antiquated cultural expectation. Maybe the new setters for performance enhancement or whatever they're called are going to encourage players to wait until they're healthy. But, uh, but yeah, no, creative. And, and I, your point is a good one, one I hadn't considered, that if with it, if it only is a million-dollar option and he is banged up or, or misses time, then maybe that's a flyer that they want to take again for the following year. Yeah, not so bad. I, I no, I, I could see it. I could see them also using it. Uh, you know, they're going to use him as a trade chip, almost certainly, right? So, I mean, they don't unless he's unless he's hurt at the time of the trade deadline. But that's something where you can, you know, I think that's an asset in terms of you know what what you can when you're offering him to other teams. They he'll, you know, they'll they'll have an option for him that you know is performance based a bit. So I I don't know. I could just see that being. Uh, an interesting way to maybe get a little value more uh, on the trade market just because the, the team that he goes to will end up having uh, that same, you know, language in his contract. I don't know. Because it, it could be, it could be friendly to the team. It could be friendly to a team with a, you know, a bigger budget and more playoff aspirations than the Blue Jays to be like, Oh, David Phelps pitched his way into being a $7 million guy based on these incentives. Maybe we mm-hmm. will pick up that option, and, and maybe that's good for them, and and the same could apply to them as well. You know, if he if he doesn't get there, then maybe it could be a bargain. Or uh, I don't know. Interesting. It was creative. It's certainly a thing that they didn't do in the Anthopolis era, uh, presumably because the Frank Thomas thing scarred them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and Anthopolis, of course, was there in Richardi's front office when uh, when that was a thing. Um, so he was very you know adamantly against. Uh, at least at first, I think he maybe changed a little bit, but against performance bonuses and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think it is smart to see the you know for a front office to utilize every tool in their you know proverbial toolbox. Going to be saying that one a lot, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, speaking of the department of high performance, um, the Blue Jays made a somewhat an interesting hire uh, as their new bullpen coach. Matt Bushman is the name. Uh, I believe your colleague, Caitlin McGrath, wrote a story on him. And you had some interesting, I liked your perspective on it, that he is, uh, seems to be, the way that he speaks anyway, is reflective of the way that the new front office or the front office presumably looks at the game and who they want represent, not representing them, but you know what I mean? Like how they, the kind of people they want in their mix. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just the kind of, you know, a guy who is, uh, you know, very data driven in in his approach to pitching. Like he's not far removed from uh, you know from still throwing, and, and he, you know, so he's a younger coach, and he's a guy who, I mean, in Caitlin's piece, was uh, was like, yeah, if, if some of the newer information had come around when he was you know uh, closer to his prime, it might have he might have made it to the big leagues uh, for a little bit of a longer time than he did, uh, mm-hmm. which I think was only about ten games uh, when he was thirty two, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, he's just, I mean, he goes along with the, the whole thing we've seen from the Jays in terms of some of their front office hires. We we're talking off air about the, uh, a couple of guys from driveline, which is the, uh, uh, you know, the pitching, uh, academy that basically, you know, that, uh, you know, just a third party group that are, you know, high tech looking at ways to maximize, uh, what pitchers can get out of their bodies and, uh, 
and you've seen success success stories in the big leagues, guys going to work there, and, and, and you know, they've built a, a good reputation for themselves. I think we've talked about them on here. Probably a lot of people know who that who they are a bit. Uh, and, you know, adding pitching coaches or two guys, who's, or one is going to be the pitching coach in Vancouver, one will be an assistant on the Dominican Summer League, so not like, not exactly the glamour jobs, but, but uh, I don't know, just shows the, 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 that they're not just paying lip service to this idea of trying to be out on the cutting edge and trying to, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, as as up to date and current with the methodology and, and with how they think about coaching and, and, you know, everything, you know, nutrition and all that kind of folds into all sorts of uh, mm-hmm. things with, you know, with development and, and whatnot. Uh, and yeah, Bushman just seems like he fits uh, quite well into that. And it's, a, it's really interesting to see him go straight up into to the big league bullpen because I think we get you know we, we could talk about the driveline guys and some of the guys in the minor league level, but that's going to be a really interesting position uh, for him as well. And he's got I think he said in the piece you know he's got Pete Walker that he can lean on because he's sort of new to the coaching thing and Walker is uh, mm-hmm. obviously a guy that the club really respects and, and likes and is somebody who's you know now uh, survived not just Anthopolis leaving but uh, survived you know the most of the rest of the coaching staff leaving too. Uh, so obviously there's something that multiple front offices have really liked about him. And, uh, uh, you, you may not always see it in the results like in 2018, but, uh, but yeah, it seems like they've got a, a, a good mix there and an interesting, uh, an interesting, uh, approach change sort of compared to the more traditional, uh, staff that Gibbons had. And hopefully a guy who, who you'll know, maybe do some media and like, give, you know, give some, Give some nuggets about how uh, how all this stuff is working. I'm not sure if that's uh, I'm not sure if you got a lot of quotes out of Dane Johnson, the bullpen coach last year, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's a thing too. I don't know. Exciting stuff, isn't a good it? Good looking guy, though. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Hit the good face. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely has a good face. Uh, it's interesting the the affection the front office has for Pete Walker. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> do you, do you? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's we have we have such as we have we have no window into that world. Right. And I'm thinking back to like who are the guys that fans and and people fan adjacent like ourselves. Who do we attach it like it was like Butterfield? Everyone loved Butterfield. Butter was awesome. Yeah. And then Tim Leifer, because Tim Leifer, again, has the passport, and he has a personality, and he's got, like, the whole Sandy Blonde thing going, which is, like, unusual for a grown man, but it's, it works for him. Uh, <laughs> and then Brad Arnsberg, right? Butter, yeah, yeah I, A little I, bit of Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> uh, Arnsberg was a guy who was really well-respected, and then he was around when the pitching was really good, so it kind of stuck to him. Like, well, who who could believe that a team with Roy, the, 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 the team with Roy Halladay had good, good, good pitching? Must be good coaching. <laughs> that uh, they got this guy, taught this guy how to pitch, and AJ Burnett, who you know pitched for his whole life. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I I don't have a strong opinion on Pete Walker. He's a pitching coach, sure. Uh, this guy, this guy, uh, he seems uh, telegenic, if nothing else. Like you said, maybe we'll do some interviews. Uh, it's interesting to me that I, 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 we were joking. You joked about the driveline guys going to these not sexy outlets, but then it's like if ever it makes sense to to. Give the the guys with their toolkit, send yeah. them to the lower levels, and really see if you can get 
young guys on the right track early. Yeah. And almost like it can be a little bit of a leveling thing. Let's <laughs> we we can either get everybody to the same level or we can sort of they can work with these guys to develop into hopefully hopefully individual um you know things that work best for them. I, that does definitely seems like the 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 Blue Jays kind of motto, the the the, the ethos of the the high performance team is to customize it, not just you know one swing for twenty five guys, not just one motion, one one mechanic for every pitcher. Be like, what's going to work for you? What's the best thing for your your skills? What are we? How can we get the most out of you? And if it means getting these young pitchers, some of them who are you know especially in the low minors, they're raw. If they're in the Dominican League. Um, they have they've been playing more like academy baseball, not playing in the in game situations and stuff. So, yeah. can't hurt. And also, there, there's there's not there's probably not there's not as much you can fuck up at that level too. I mean, you don't. Uh, I mean, I know Nate Pearson pitched in Vancouver, but uh, a lot of the a lot of the guys who are you know got the ticket to the big leagues punched already coming out of the draft or out of the you know the international. Well, I guess the international guys will end up going to uh, uh, to the DSL team, but. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to kind of have a spot to experiment on some guys who aren't projecting like they're going to make it, uh, you know, be a big leaguer anyway, or, or guys who are going who, you know, have one like a, a prominent tool but lack in other areas and, and can use that kind of, you know, I think that's obviously you'll find more of those types there, and the stakes are not as high as like bringing in a new guy, you know, just just applying. Whatever different philosophy. I mean, I, I I can only talk about this in the abstract because I don't really know what they do and what their approach is, which is you know something I should probably go ahead and try to learn about. Uh, but uh, just uh, you know, you wouldn't want to ask Nate Pearson to just change what he's doing too much, and I don't think that that's what they're there to do either. They're you know right, coaches, right. But, but if if the idea is to start thinking about things in new ways, uh, yeah, I think that that's uh, absolutely. A, you're right that, that those are uh, the non-glamour spots are probably where you do want them working. Uh, awesome. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? I was going to talk. I wanted to talk about the Yankees a little bit for some reason. Yeah, they're doing Yankee things. So from but Machado but they're not. So, so they're doing the they're doing Yankee things, and that they just keep signing. People, they signed DJ Lemayhew. <laughs> they tall the people. Tall they guys, just yeah. one tall guy. <laughs> Obviously, Troy Tulowitzki, DJ Lemayhew. They signed Brett Gardner to the beginning of the offseason. They signed CJ Sabathia for another year. They signed uh, Zach Britton. They signed Adam Adovino today. So they've made themselves a marginally better team than than they were at the end of last year. Obviously, Britton and Hap were in the mix, but not for the entire season. Like this team, of course, won 100 fucking games, uh, but they haven't, and they don't look poised to sign. Manny Machado in particular, who is the one they need, or Bryce Harper, the one that they want. Um, but I think when you look at what the Yankees have done, and the, the Mets are another example I've seen, and, and it'll be interesting to see how the Blue Jays approach it and, and if this is the way that teams are going to be made now, where the Mets have made a lot of like more Metsy acquisitions, but not unlike the Yankees, where they have like t- like they have six guys to do four guys' jobs basically. Right. But then you look at the Mets last year that they got. I think they had they were off to a decent enough start or whatever. But like they gave three hundred plate appearances to Jose Bautista. They gave how many plate appearances to <laughs> Jose Reyes? They gave yeah. plate appearances to Adrian Gonzalez. 
And judging by the moves that the Mets have made this year and looking at the, what the Yankees have made, done this year, they are bound and determined to not go down that route. They are all about raising the floor. They just keep adding, you know, which was the mantra a couple of, was that 2017? That was the mantra, raise the floor, raise the floor. Uh, but the, the Yankees yeah. are showing what it looks like and what it takes. And it costs a lot of money. You know, even if it's only 10 or 12, you know, whatever. What did Britain got? Britain got three years in 29 or 30 something. I don't know. But like, I wonder if that's the move. Now, the again, the thing I don't necessarily want to delve into too much, which is like the economics of the thing, which is the way that the money's being spent in baseball and the way that the the players share. I, well, that... We've talked about this a lot, and I and it's something that, you know, the Shapiro because in his job, which is the president of the team, his job is a little bit outside of the baseball scope, and his job is to extract revenue at, at the highest rate, and that means more sources of revenue that are independent of what they pay the players, which is. One of the reasons we see the way that this winter is gone, which is kind of like the death of the transaction. So we, we spent a lot of time talking about Russell Martin eventually and how that transaction, that signing, that one thing just like was a lightning bolt that jolted the city and everyone was so excited. And so much of fan um, interest is driven by transactions. And the Zoobs has been joking about it for, for months or for a year. But it's really true. And you know as much as anybody when you see more traffic on your site, when was when were the most heavily trafficked times uh, oh. at, uh, at DJF at, at Stoughton and whatever other places? Yeah, well, it was. I mean, especially in the in the bad old days when when the playoffs were a non-factor, it would peak in you know it, going into opening day, and then everyone would get to, <laughs> would get turned off, and then there'd be a little bump at uh, at the trade deadline, and then there would be. A big bump at the winter meetings, and then it would kind of coast back down until, it, and then rise up again at uh, at opening day. That, those were kind of the the three high points of the season. But e- I feel like even when the team is good, even in 2015, I, I'm sure that if we went back and looked, oh yeah, yeah. Now that was a special one, but like the trade deadline, it it is what people care about: the transactions, the idea, the promise of the of the big move. And and Russell Martin was a big part of that, and Josh Donaldson was a big part of that, and George Lewinsky was a big part of that in 2015. The that when they make the team invests in the players in that in a way that makes it real. But it, there's as much excitement about it. Like the best part of the Troy Tulowitzki, I think we made this joke before, but the the best part of Troy Tulowitzki's tenure as a Blue Jay was the day that he was acquired because it yeah. was just ridiculous. <laughs> like it, yeah. it could not. It was surreal. Yeah, and that's the way that so many of us. Uh, you know that it just is a driver of excitement it's a driver and an indicator of the way that we follow the team and it's going to be reflected and i think jason stark wrote about this a little bit like that the fact that there is nothing to build that energy in the offseason now other than like a big trade which happens you know less and less um only those big trades or those big deals move the needle to get people buying tickets and excited for the year to come and and we're i think we're going to see that that when I look ahead to 2019 for the Blue Jays, it, it's going to be grim. I think at the at the gate in the stadium, and 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 I've talked to people about it, and they say like, "Oh, well, what about Vlad?" And I'm like, "No one's going to buy a ticket to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr." They, I wow. really don't think that that's going to. There will okay. be a week. There will be like a week probably. When he eventually comes up, 
Yeah. Right. So what'll happen? They'll bring him up when they go on the road, and then he'll his first game back will be like a Friday or something, or maybe even not. Maybe it won't be. Maybe they'll. Maybe his base running will get better just in time for the Blue Jays to come home on a Tuesday night. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, there'll be there'll be a peak in interest of the of nerds like you and me, and whomever else. People are gonna be like, well, now I'm gonna make a trip. I'm gonna go and see Vlad in his opening in his rookie year. Oh, I, I but then that'll be, more, be it. I think it'll be more than just nerds. But yeah, I think uh, you know, I think it will. Yeah. Uh, I think at the end of the season, you won't have noticed a demonstrable effect of Vlad. You will probably for a week. Oh. And that's the other thing. It could, you know, a lot of that week could be that's the one game a lot of people are going to all year. So I don't think it, oh, yeah, for sure. think it does move the needle too much. Yeah. But I'm sure if you spoke to people about, um, well, the, the, every year there's a story. Every time after the, after the Marlins trade or the Dickey trade, I'm sure there was a huge spike in sales and season ticket sales and flex sure. packs, all that stuff. And, but there's not there hasn't been that, and the Blue Jays aren't 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 alone in that. I'm sure that they yank. I mean, the Yankees. It's a bit of a different situation, but like, are, is DJ LeMahieu sending people rushing to the phone to buy Yankees, you know, whatever multi game packs, or is is Nate? You know, I mean, maybe Nate of all these different story. The Red Sox just won the World Series, and there were the Red Sox. Those tickets are sold, but I think that that it, it's 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 just changing. It's changing. Because of the way that the the economics of the game is changing, the way that guys like you and I who have to accept our share of responsibility for like socializing these ideas of overpays and value and whatever uh, for like fucking ten years now, we've been hammering on the same <laughs> stuff, and yeah. now it's like the, you still see it. People are the, the the Machado debates. People don't want him. They think it's too much. You can't pay this guy that much. He's greedy. This guy's greedy. That guy's greedy. Uh, Kyler Murray's greedy. Everyone's greedy except the fucking billionaire. God bless him. The, the, you know the, the the self-made man like Hal Steinbrenner, who inherited the team from his slumlord dad. But anyway, uh, they'll steal. There's ships. Steinbrenner. There was ships, weren't they? Isn't that where he made his money? I honestly don't know. So I think I it was ships. Some bullshit, I no doubt. I don't. Care, I don't care enough to look it up. <laughs> it was building apartment buildings in Queens. No, that was the other one. Uh, but yeah, so it's 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 a kind of a bummer because the hot stove is just a, uh, in a lot of ways a thing of the past. It is. It's weird. I've been. I'm. You know. I've been working. I've actually been trying to. You know. Write something. It's been way too long. But I've. You know. I've been working on just looking back at the off season that the Jays have had. And I remember like going into it being like, you know, and I'm echoing some of the, what I was saying earlier. It was, just, it was just refreshing, and it's just like, all right, let's get on with it. Let's let's see what they do to put this team in a position. To be okay in 2019, and then and then build from there, and they've done a lot. They've sort of quietly been busy, uh, really. I mean, you know, the Martin trade, the Phelps thing just happened, but you know, the mm-hmm. Diaz was traded. They brought in. They have a new manager. Like if you start going through the list, of, Schumacher. Like, yeah, there's, Schumacher. there's a yeah, there's a bunch of things that they've done actually. Um, they got the they got this kid in the Rule Five and whatever. Um, an actual yeah, child. They picked a literal literally. child in the Rule Five. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it's a, but it, the way it is played out, and the, the and against the backdrop of you know literally nothing else happening for other teams either, like nothing significant happening. It's yeah, it's been a, it's been a real bummer. It's been uh, ah, like what you know. How many? Times I wonder if it's a matter we talk about like like oh here's another unsexy fucking move. I wonder if it's a matter of, of fatigue as well. 
of 24 hour news cycle fatigue. So I'm going to ask you a question uh-huh. that I don't necessarily know the answer to, but it's a, a question that you and I should ostensibly be able to answer, but I don't know that we can. And the question is, who is the Orioles manager? <laughs> uh, is, it, is, it, is it Hoyer? Something like, something Hoyer? It could be. Uh, Brandon Hyde. Hyde. Brandon there, there, Hyde. It, it, is an, it is an H and a Y in there. Okay. So I wasn't too far off. Yeah. Um, should probably should probably know that. But, I mean, who gives up? fuck about the Orioles like I mean not in the the you know fuck them kind of way though obviously that also but like I mean that is that is going to be a disaster of a team oh yeah oh yeah by the way uh Wikipedia just told me that I something that I for, I obviously forgot so Buck Showalter was the manager before Brandon Hyde uh before him Juan Samuel he managed Jesus. 17 games for the, of the, for the Orioles in 2010. And then he lost his job. Or he was interim until Buck returned. Uh, Chris Woodward, former Blue Jay Chris Woodward, is the manager of the Rangers now. Which is interesting, I guess. But uh, So you're right, and I think this points to there's just so much churn at like the bottom of the roster. The stuff that people don't care about. These are important moves that need to be made. Obviously, these teams naming their managers are important. And the Yankees kind of assembling you know, depth and depth and depth. And Jay Happ signing was big, but it was so long ago. But there's still other good pitchers that are out there. I mean, uh, Patrick Corbin signed, and the Yankees were in on him. And Dallas Keuchel's still out there. There's just so, the, the big names, the guys who should be setting the market, so to speak, are just still sitting at home waiting. And I made the joke today that this is the Yankees aren't they don't want to sign Machado or Harper because they don't want to they're setting themselves up to get good value on Mike Trout when he becomes a free right. agent. Right, I saw years. you say that. Yeah, because <laughs> there was someone. Yeah, hmm? which I don't know. Well, <laughs> maybe the the equation is so different now. And somebody wrote, uh, someone else wrote on the Athletic, and I don't know who it is. They were like, "Well, if what's Mike Trout going to get when he hits free agency?" And like. Like, is it going to be 400? Is it going to be this? And it's like, I don't think you can make any kind of guesses until you find out what happens now. Because if you don't, I, you know, I've seen people say, well, Mike Trout's on a different level than those two players and Harper and Machado. Of course he is. But Manny Machado's on another level from almost every other player in the game. Like, these are Hall of Fame caliber players that nobody has any interest in signing. It's crazy when you think about it. At age 26 or whatever. You know, yeah. 26. Literally none of the usual free agent kind of red flags apply to these guys other than the fact that they're free agents. So they're automatically tainted in in the front office minds and in the minds of the fans. Uh, There's there's been a lot uh, written and and said about the the percentage of, of payroll that goes to... Um, you know, goes to payroll, and if you if you adjusted for inflation, what the average payroll would be, and uh, it's it's pretty scary to think about. It's interesting to think about what it, what it could be. There was something that was really cool actually that I'm gonna I'm gonna quote from here that um, Craig Goldstein was talking about, and and you, what a thing we hear a lot about is the union, right? Well, the union shouldn't have shouldn't have uh, negotiated better. They shouldn't have got the, had the luxury tax or whatever. 
Craig Goldstein used to be a, a baseball prospectus. He said, uh, it's one thing to fault the union for the low luxury tax threshold. It's another to point out that the that 19 out of 30 teams are $50 million or more under the threshold and then say it's the union's fault to agree, agree to it. Like, that's true. There is a salary cap, but there's no floor and nobody has any interest in getting anywhere near it. They just decided they're not going to spend. Yeah. All of them independently because I think anything otherwise would be illegal. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I guess we're talking about this subject as, as we apparently. As I, 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 did you read the uh, the Deadspin piece uh, by the Field of Schemes guy uh, Neil DeMoss? I did. You know, mm. yeah, yeah, that was you know. Uh, I, I I think that was a good point that that you know they don't have to collude in the in the way that we sort of uh, imagine it to be to. To for it to be a form of collusion, right? Um, they just don't, they just don't see the value in signing players. They don't think that they don't think that they are going to get the return on investment. Well, which I is, think that you know, insane, and, and uh, it's just such a fucking mess. I don't you know, I don't know what you do about it. Other but, than, but re, I, other I, than redo the CBA, which you know, the, you know, is going to be difficult, and contentious. It's it is crazy to think that other than looking at it in terms of like a fairness and decency perspective they're not necessarily wrong well here we here we go again like the last 10 years <laughs> but but it's i mean yeah based like based on the inputs that they have and the incentives they have and how they think about mm-hmm. it yeah that's that's what that's where the you know that's where the water has found its level is just don't fucking pay these guys. And it's well, or stupid. even just like what? Yeah, no, it, it is stupid, and it's. I don't want to get into it. I feel like too often we end up talking about this, and I feel I I'm always left to feel like I've just shown my ass, like I don't know what I'm talking about because that's <laughs> how, how I feel. But you know, I just finished saying that there's no excitement and 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 making these deal deal sends a a bunch of people buying extra tickets and buying things. But at the same, I guess the other side of that coin is even if they do that, it doesn't come close to paying, you know, like having, there's not that return on the, they still don't get the return on the investment. The difference between people rushing to buy more tickets because they signed Russell Martin versus not doesn't justify the difference in the fact that you're paying Russell Martin $18 million and Danny Jensen makes 500,000. Yeah. Like that. They're not buying 17 and a half million dollars worth of tickets. Because of one signing, would be the, their perspective. Yeah, whether or not the money should be shared equally because of the it's created with the, the labor, whatever. Yeah, not but there, the point. Yeah, but there should be a way where Russell Martin, you know, makes the same amount of money over this the, over his career, but it's maybe just distributed a little bit differently, mm-hmm. which you know changes the equation uh, in terms of those exact incentives you're saying. You know, it's just it it's just so. Uh, it's just so much smarter for teams to rely on guys making no money. <laughs> the difference between, like exactly you said, the difference between even a good player making $25 million and, uh, you know, Vlad next year at $500,000 is going to be, you know, the, the it's like the ideal piece to have on your, on your team for the next three, four years. Right. Which is uh, absolutely, which, you know, which makes sense. But then when it's, when it's shifted so that like, there's just there's no reason to pay you know fucking AJ Pollock or Craig Kimbrell because Mm -hmm. 
I, I don't know. It's uh, well, it's it's. it's I think I think it was Dave Zimborski made that same argument that no one is suggesting that you go back to the days of like paying Juan Pierre an exorbitant amount of money just because he was good in the past or or some of the other sort of bad free agent contracts that necess- that didn't necessarily work out. But it's gone right. so far to the to the the other the other um, extreme. That that now you know the a, a BJ Ryan kind of contract or whatever those are the those are the things that that people remember. But uh, I think it was uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody wrote about how if you took Alex Rodriguez his first contract that he signed with Texas and you put it into twenty nineteen dollars and you did it as a percentage of revenues from that year, whenever that was two thousand and three two. Three yeah, somewhere like and that, and you did re- a percentage of two thousand and three revenue versus twenty two thousand and nineteen revenue. That contract would be seven hundred and fifty million dollars. And and the art fans will there are some fans the fans who will argue against these guys making these eye popping amounts of money because it's just a, such an exorbitant amount of money. But it's like they were giving out those contracts. They were they gave that Alex Rodriguez contract. Then he opted out, and they gave him another one. Yeah, and all those big. I, the Mike Hampton deals and the, this contract and these other contracts that 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 people remember as being bad. The the revenue in the league went up by nine billion dollars. <laughs> like yeah. nobody whose franchise was crippled. The Marlins, a team that doesn't even try to win, increased from like hundred and twenty million to a billion dollars. The team itself, they gave away bad contracts that they just gave, they didn't even try. They they got they don't even they don't sell a single ticket. They don't even give a shit. Let the players get their money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's um, I think that's about it. I think we should wrap it up. That that, that last segment probably we didn't need it, but here we are. Um, <laughs> so you did a chat t- uh, today. So so what? Where can people read? They can read you, of course, in the athletic. You did a yeah. chat. It's some questions. Some of the stuff we may have touched on here. You can read that over there. You got anything else coming up that, you, that we need to know about? I don't know what to write about this fucking team right now. No, there, there's going to be some great stuff coming as the season, you know, gets formed. You start looking into camp mode. Uh, mm. But uh, you know, I don't know. I got some. I got some things in mind. I got. I, I'm. I'm. I'm curious. I, I'm sort of working on a thing about uh, Lord Guriel and uh, and just what I, you know. People are bullish on him, and, and there are people that quite like him. He, he, he strikes out a lot and does not walk at all, and it's it's perhaps. It's perhaps a, a scary, uh, not a scary profile, but I don't know. It's it, he's an interesting guy, and I don't know. Um, just sort of looking for a cop for him, and, uh, and and sort of exploring that, and looking back on the off season because, like I said, it was a very busy one. Uh, I'll be doing that. I'm sure there will be lots of Vlad stuff uh, as that moves forward, and you know, season previews, going to break down positions and, and, and look at. Who needs a shot? Who deserves a shot? Who's getting a shot? Stuff like that. Uh, because cool. yeah, we're getting we're getting close. We're within a month now until pitchers and catchers report. And pitchers and catchers is always exciting. Why? Because it shows you see lots of photos and video from people in Florida where the sun is shining and the grass is green, and we that's, are here living where it's dour and gray. That's right. Um, I I count me among those who does not have a great deal of faith in Lourdes Gurriel. And I hope that he pl- gets off to a decent enough start that maybe they can trade him for something else. Something <laughs> because I, I'm not buying what he's selling. Um, meanwhile, around here, in this part of the world, the Burroughs All Day part of the world, uh, we've got some fun stuff coming up. We got we'll have we've got a new 
feature that we're going to roll out in a couple weeks for our Patreon uh, subscribers, people who, who support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash birds all day. Uh, you can join them. If you'd like, head, o- head over there, kick us a couple bucks. We'll give you some exclusive content um, in the written way. And then also, uh, I don't know if you saw it in the last couple weeks, but we rolled out a vlog. We're doing some video um, starting now-ish. We've got two up that I've done, and we'll kind of keep doing them, hopefully, as things happen. And I'm having a bit of fun with it, and we'll see Stoughton in there, uh, too. Um, just grab your phone and record it, and then we'll put it on, <laughs> on YouTube. Right. That's yeah. kind of how it works. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, so that's something that's been a lot of fun. And uh, also, so you can, and you'll be able to read me a couple times uh, every so often at Vice as well, uh, as well as in this uh, secret thing that we haven't dis- that we really fully disclosed. Also, if you're in Toronto uh, and you're listening to this in January, January 31st, I'm hosting Pitch Talks at the Rivoli. So if you want to check that out, you can search it on Facebook, search it on wherever, Google it, look for Homestand Sports, or just send me a message and ask me about it, and I'll hit you with a link. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be talking to some of the beat people. of The aforementioned Caitlin McGrath is going to be there. Keegan Matheson will be there. There's going to be some of your friends from online are going to be there. We're going to talk about being extremely online. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. So if you are in Toronto... On the 31st, come on down, and uh, I'll be there, and uh, and other people will be there too. So yeah, that's something to look forward to, getting out and talking baseball with people and having drinks. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I'd be there if I didn't you know, live in Peterborough, or if I'd been invited, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it. So yeah, as we said, you can find us on uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash birdsallday. You can follow Stoughton and I on Twitter. Uh, we're on YouTube. We don't have a fancy YouTube channel yet. I got to get the YouTube channel more up and running. Right now, I'm just trying to focus on cranking out that content as I can. Let us know if you've watched the videos. If you listen to the podcast, let us know what you think, what you want to see more of, less of, what your uh, thoughts are. We appreciate everybody. Here we are into this is going to be our 15, 16, 17, fifth season of Doing Birds All Day. We're coming up on our 200th episode. We're having a good time. Um, and we thank everybody for sticking with us and being with us for this uh, entire long journey from a good team to now a one that's very bad. But uh, like you said, there's lots of fun stuff to look forward to. And the season's about to start uh, in low but four months. <laughs> yeah. Basically around the corner. <laughs> <sighs> good times. All right. All right. So for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fairservice. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. Bye.